0: Everyone knows how to play poker. poker, but do you know how to play poker well? Well, Get ready to talk poker strategy with the people who run the games, hear interviews with the stars, get information on when to play, where to play, and how to play better poker. poker. This is Poker Action Live, a weekly poker show with your hosts, Big Dave Lemon and Joe Rodriguez.
1: And welcome once again, everybody, to another edition of the program, Big Dave and Joe from South Florida. A uh, still recovering South Florida, would you say, Joe? A lot of uh, debris around, still places, uh, wood and tree branches piled up.
2: Well, I don't know how it is by your area, but I know in my area there are certain areas that are still very heavy. They're getting to them. They're definitely getting to them. Uh, They got to my block right before I left on the cruise. I remember that. But uh, so many areas still out, out west where I live in Dade County, so... I don't know how how is it bad by your it's area? It's not bad.
1: It's a, it's getting there. You know, there's still certain places where you see a lot of stuff piled up. The funny thing for me is uh I know you're probably not all that familiar with Broward, but I come down the Turnpike to come to the show and there was a soccer field where you would see uh, Jamaicans and Haitians and, and different groups of people playing soccer on a Sunday morning or on a, a Saturday morning and uh it was kind of like a uh ball field, different ball fields, but it was more of a uh uh, soccer area for these people, and uh, they have completely taken that over, and it's now just piled high, ten feet high with debris. The whole field. Well, you know, I, they've used that. Did a you live device. in
2: Dade when Andrew hit?
1: I did. So if you remember, they
2: had so many different areas. It's now developed. One of them was on uh, Eight Thirty Six, the Dolphin Expressway. I know from One Hundred to Seventh, Eighty Seventh had had a lot of, which now has been all highway. But back then they had a lot of things, all the different parks. They were burning debris after yeah. Andrew for over a good. They started in November and they they went until January of, of of more than you know not that coming January It was a year fifteen months of burning, nine different locations twenty four seven. It was amazing. Every well, really day I'd wake up with ash on my car.
1: Uh, for our uh, for our listeners in Nebraska and uh, Illinois. Uh, Probably doesn't mean much to you. No, but, it doesn't. Uh, right. We we are kind of a South Florida uh, centric program, and uh, we've been taking a look at some of the effects on the poker world down here in South Florida. Everything's open except for Mardi Gras, which is still going to be closed. Right. They had a mini tornado that took the roof off the the uh, building, and it's an old building. It's a dog track for since the 70s, and uh, you know it's uh, the poker room itself was damaged, but not completely. And uh, they were hoping to get open uh, by uh, mid October at least, and uh, they had another bad rainstorm and got put off a little longer. So uh, they are still not open there. And uh, I don't know, did we get a chance to talk about stealing customers? We I, spoke I about, about it I a little bit. That you said, I,
2: I know Mer um, Nick Sordle had run a car, yeah, an article. Yeah, the, the Gulfstream Park. The uh, Gulfstream people said it, and then uh, Scott uh, Saving over at uh, where I work at Dana. Said that that wasn't you know that they were offering to not only their customers but to all the customers the same thing, and to be honest with you, the I know the only thing that they've done at Dania, even though I'm not back at work there yet, um, is that they have now started a two o'clock in the afternoon tournament. Yeah. So they're trying. I, I would imagine they're trying to capitalize on the tournament play.
0: And, well, I think and, I
1: mentioned this on a previous program, and uh, I said, don't you think it's a little disingenuous? For a guy like uh, Danny Adkins from Mardi Gras to complain about other places trying to steal his customers when he would put a billboard in in the Gulfstream parking lot if he could. Listen, you know
2: he could say whatever <laughs> he wants, you know, but unfo- isn't that just the way? Unfortunately, been? that's how it is with yeah. all casinos. To be honest with you, Dave, I mean, you know, for my casino to continue to thrive, you know, you it's like the same thing with poker rooms. You can't sustain a poke room for years and years with just the same players because the rake the tips will just eat up so many of your customers so obviously we are a tourist town so you do get the snowbirders that start coming in very soon they'll be starting to come here that play for six months but you know you've got to try to do something to get customers that's why every establishment offers different high hands at a different number, right. different days of the week, different times of the year, to try to attract other players there. And listen, I, I, you know, I, I don't want to question the man's uh, honor, but if the same thing had happened to Gulfstream,
1: be I think there, he'd customer, have been. I, yeah, I'm just
2: exactly. assuming, again, I'm just assuming, but, you know, I know that I would be trying to take advantage. Those players are going to go somewhere, okay? Your establishment is not open, so you know they're going to go somewhere so i'm going to try my hardest since i'm one of your closest competitors uh to have them come into my yeah. establishment and if you're down for whatever amount of time they're down they've been down now what a month and a half almost you know hey i'm going to try to, i'm going to try to convince them to to stay here once once you guys get back on your feet yeah
1: absolutely uh a few weeks ago we talked about uh the uh wsop <laughs> circuit coming to Uh, The Hard Rock instead of the uh, Palm Beach Kennel Club. And at the time, we kind of talked about, you know, things run their course. And and there may not be any, uh, you know, ill feelings between the different organizations or the the casinos uh, as far as that goes. But sometimes, you know, you just do something for a while. And even if it has been pretty successful... Uh, sometimes it runs its course, and uh, you know Seminole Hard Rock picked up the circuit. Uh, the latest news, and this uh, I mentioned it last week, and I didn't realize if it was true or not. But when the schedule came out for the WPT, you, you mentioned no no Bay 101. I, I mentioned that Bay 101 yes. was not on the schedule, and normally it's it's called the California Swing. They start at the L.A. Poker Classic, move to Bay 101 up in San Francisco, and finish up in the Sacramento area for Rolling Thunder. This year, when the schedule came out, L.A.P.C. was followed immediately. By Rolling Thunder, and there was no mention of Bay 101. Well, in the in the, in the ensuing week, uh, a couple of stories have come out. Uh, the fellow from Poker News, uh, I believe it's Earl Burton. So, did they state a reason yes. why? What, what was? Well, thing? it did. Uh, Earl Burton first wrote this uh, uh, editorial called "WPT Bring Back the Shooting Star." It's the most pop- probably the most popular tournament in poker outside of the World Series uh, in at the Rio. And for a single tournament, it was the first one that was a bounty tournament. Uh, a lot of fun. A lot of big names would, would attend because when a bounty got knocked out, it was a big-name player. Yeah, and whoever and you, knocked them out would give them a T-shirt with with a picture on it.
2: And the person and would sign it. it
1: yeah. and, and would sign it for the person who knocked them out. Now, I kind of wonder... Year years and years have passed. How many of those T-shirts are still in possession of the people who, uh, God, are they prized possessions? Is something it something you it wear? All de- it all depends on or who you Or you just stick it out. in a drawer, you and know, like, a, like I do.
2: It all depends on how big a poker fan you are. You know, uh, it'd be nice if it's, you know, if it's Phil Hellmuth or Daniel Negrano. You know, right. these are these are Hall of Famers. These are Hall of Famers. And, you know. Put it in a frame or put it up somewhere where it'll you know it'll be up there for you and you you know it, it, I know that I would keep it especially if it was somebody a big name, a big poker name, someone who's in the Hall of fame or someone who has won multiple bracelets you know some somebody big in the poker industry
1: yeah, it would be cool, and uh, I certainly would consider it a prize possession. Uh, especially when you you feel like, wow, I knocked out this great player. Uh, just, you know, just I, I, think about so the, the stories.
2: Just think about the stories you could tell your friends. You know, for exactly. years and years, and then they'll start using your shirt as, hey, did you hear? Big Dave knocked out so and so. He's got that shirt, you know, uh, signed by that player.
1: And not only that, but they, they would sign it, and sometimes it was some kind of snarky comment or. Uh, maybe an angry retort. <laughs> but sometimes it was a funny joke or, or, or something like that. It would be something that you would be... Nice nice one out or you caught on me, yeah, exactly. signed so-and-so. <laughs> exactly. Mike Madison uh, <laughs> writing some stuff. Anyway, uh, the the Bay 101 has been on the uh, WPT Tour since their second season in
2: 2004. Wow, that's uh, a long time for them to yeah, break up.
1: and it started off uh, with 243 players, which they said was unheard of at the time to have that kind of a turnout Uh, Just to show how far back it goes, uh, Phil Gordon was the champion, defeated uh, Chris Moneymaker in that year. And then uh, went all the way to 2017, uh, earlier this year, and uh, Sam Panzeca was the winner there. But uh, they decided not to have it, so uh, uh, a fellow from Poker News, uh, Earl Burton, wrote the uh, editorial, and then he got a call from Matt Savage who uh, is involved with Bay One Hundred and One as the tournament director and has been a tournament director out in the California swing for a long time, and uh, he responded and uh, you know as you might figure it's kind of uh, you know basically uh, it was the decision of we mutually agreed on uh, both sides. Well, I, I,
2: I mean, listen, without being privy to any of the information, I would imagine the dynamics of the agreement obviously changed, and I would imagine Bay Bay One Hundred and One just wasn't comfortable giving up whatever it is that they had to give up to the WPT.
1: Yeah. yeah you know that, that so. that's usually
2: why something that has been running for such a long time breaks either that or the numbers at Bay, o- Bay 101 warrant up to what WPT wanted to and I don't know you know I honestly never looked at those numbers I'm just assuming that everything had been going well like all the years like we assumed here with the Palm Beach Kennel Club right, exactly. that lost the, you know gave up the WSOP circuit event
1: well, as as a as a manager over at, at Miami Highline for many years, you probably considered tying yourself in with some tours, uh, obviously the smaller ones that were maybe a little more affordable. You probably never had any discussions with the WPT, but uh, there's a pretty good price to be paid to get those things hosted at your place. Yes,
2: yes, there are. You know, I had card player people call me for their poker tour, and then the uh, I believe the one that Greg Raimers at the Heartland Tour,
1: Heartland Poker, they
2: tour. they contacted me too. And I know, first of all, we didn't have the space for it. To have that kind of thing, and I don't think they would have been into it. I know that, no, without going into details or numbers, you know, when they got the WSOP circuit event, it was a very large investment. Yeah. Okay. My guess is, you know, they had to buy the WSOP chips, and as I know that extremely well, those are not cheap. They, even if they gave it to them at a discounted price with the amount of tables and tournaments that they were going to be running, they had to invest. I a bare minimum three to four hundred thousand in chips, I, that's, and that's getting a tremendous break on the price of those things. The felt that you had to put on there, you know, um, I don't know what percentage of the buy-in of the of the you know the, the the poker rooms cut end goes to the WPT for all the work that they do with their advertising and everything else. So it's an expensive venue now. It once you get that thing and it's successful like the w, like the uh, Palm Beach Kennel Club did, Dave, you don't have that expense every year. You have it that one year, and now you're kind of you know like a signing bonus. Right. <laughs> you're spreading it out over the course of years to get that. The one thing I can tell you because these numbers were up there, Dave, is I remember the first year you had looked at uh, Palm Beach Kennel Club and the Isle were always fighting for number one you know, money-wise, every month, going back and forth. They were all doing roughly around a million at that time. And this was a 12-day event in February, which is the shortest month of the year. And their numbers grew to just over 2 million. So that first year, they they brought in over a million more than they were used to. The following year is like 1.3, you know. So, again, maybe that first year, my guess would be their expenses – Probably somewhere around half a million. I don't know how they ar- arranged it and you right. know, what kind of agreement to pay it off and everything else, but whatever it was, you know, they went over it. Now, I don't know if they get the chance to sell it back to them, sell the chips back to them, how that works, but yeah, it is expensive, Dave, and you have to have the room for it. We know that Palm Beach Kennel Club built a special room for it. Here's another thing they're, they're mentioning that it was a mutual split, but they didn't mention why both parties decided to part ways, right? Not really. In the article. Think about it. Think about the success that the Hard Rock has had here and other casinos around the country looking at this. Because they run a couple of their own tournaments without the affiliation of the WPT or the W S O P which they're now the circuit event uh providers on down here. Maybe they one oh one figured, hey, we can do this on our own and not have to shell out the amount of money that, that you know, WPT might have demanded. Yeah. For this, so. will you
1: draw as many people though without the affiliation? Well, that's that's one of the
2: things that why you take information from players voluntarily, emails and all of this, so you know how many are locals coming in, how many are from outside. You know, do your email blasts. You you target certain people. You know, and if you think you can put on the same the same you know product out there for these people, um, you know, you take a shot at it. Because you're going to be saving yourself whatever that bottom line was with the WPT, so that kind of helps you save. You know, if that, I'm sure that was a significant number for the days that they ran it there. Right. So that's a number that you can put into guaranteed prize pools, into into other things that would attract players to come and play in your room and in, in that tournament.
1: Okay, a uh, few things to talk about tonight, including the uh, World Series of Poker Europe. Uh, sneaking up on us. It starts tomorrow with the 1100, uh, 1,100 euro event, a monster stack, uh, three starting days, Thursday the 19th, Friday the 20th, and uh, Saturday, October 21st. That's the first event. Main event is uh, a little later on. Uh, it is actually the high roller is on, the tw- uh, on November 1st. Uh, the main event starts November 4th. So, uh... uh you know, I think there's a little less interest in it, especially with there being no uh, November 9, so there hasn't been that constant coverage. But uh, the main event is a uh, 10,350 euro buy-in, and uh, that gets underway as I mentioned on the fourth. C- but c- uh, curious that they have scheduled it now, you know, which would, would have been the time that the exactly. November 9ers would have been
2: just about getting ready to start
1: down here. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but <laughs> there is some interest in it because. Uh, the Player of the Year will be decided, and you know who the front runner is for the Player of the Year WSoP Player of the Year. N- no, I don't. I, you'll forget Chris me. Jesus Ferguson. Oh, because of the success he had. Yeah, it was uh, basically the way the Player of the Year awards are are structured. Uh, most of it, the points are accumulated out in Vegas during the summer, and then Europe closes out the season. So any um, l- late comebacks or uh, uh, you know hanging on to a title would uh, belong to Europe, basically. And Chris uh, is the leader, and uh, we'll go over some of that in a little bit. But
2: uh, I, I, a lot of people I,
1: are very unhappy that he I was a just about to, to say,
2: what do you think would happen <laughs> if he wins well, this?
1: Well, I, I, I you know, know people won't be happy, but, you know, there's not a whole lot you can do about it, really, is no, there? No, there isn't. There isn't. But, you know,
2: again, it's, it's, you know, it's such a shame because he was probably one of the top five most popular poker players before all of this thing happened with full tilt,
1: but him and, excuse me, him no, and letter. But, uh, you know, uh, people wanted Negranu to win. He was also in the top 10 and, uh, John Monette had a good shot in third place. John Reisner uh, who just got married not too long ago. As far as I know, uh, it was in fourth place. Here's the point totals going in. Uh, Chris Ferguson, The leader, Ryan Hughes, is uh, 22 points behind. John Monette, another 11 points back in third place. And John Reisner, Ray Henson, Ben Yu, Alex Fox, and Daniel Negranu. And then the top ten closes out with Dario San Martino and Kenny Hallert. Um, Negranu is not going to go, and Reisner is not going to go from what I hear. Monette is not going to go. So basically, Alex Foxen, I think, is the only one that's committed to go. It has a chance to catch him. And but how many does it say? How many points he's behind? Yeah, Alex Foxen is 134 points back, so he needs to win an event over there, really, or
2: final table, and Chris not even make the money.
1: Right, exactly.
2: He's going to need some of those scenarios. But I,
1: th- I think Ferguson basically, uh, you know, is going to be there not only because he was the point the points leader at the end of the summer in Rio. He gets a free entry to the, to the main event. So, obviously, he's going to take advantage of that, but I think he has great pleasure in kind of rubbing his nose at people uh, that, that obviously hate him, and he seems to thrive on that.
2: Well, listen, I don't know if you I, – I, I, have you seen any
1: comments from him on that? I you have, have, you know, and he's been uh, you know, pretty vocal about it uh, in interviews. What has been his defense? Because him and Letterman well, were he fined millions of dollars, yeah, if I remember reading it, he correctly. doesn't feel like it was really. He said his main uh, error was not keeping a closer eye on some of that stuff that he felt like he didn't really benefit as much from it financially.
0: Well, as some uh, of the people that were obviously
1: the, the
2: DOJ didn't feel that way because of the fines, yeah. and and he, you know, they had to have n- bottom line numbers of what they paid these guys, yeah. and you know, guess what. If 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 your problem was you didn't monitor that, well, you should have because you know you were one of one of the investors, I guess, or you know one of the the paid you know promoters and sponsors of of that of that site, and people trusted you. You know. Well, so I guess the
1: bottom line for this whole thing is: Do you really care? Does anybody really care about the World Series of Poker Europe?
2: Well, they do it now every other year, don't yeah, they? Correct. So. So that should give you your answer right there. If it was if it was important, if it was re- people really cared about it, they would have kept it as a as a yearly event. Yeah, exactly.
1: Well, we'll uh, we'll finish up this discussion when we come back, but we do want to take our first break in the program. Uh, we'll give you a, a little information on some of the events going on around the country, uh, WSOP, WPT, uh, the Isle having a big uh, tournament going on right now and uh, stuff to come at the Hard Rock. So we'll talk about some of that stuff when we come back. We're also here, an interview I did with Tony Burns uh, just a week and a half ago, and uh, we'll hear from Tony when we get back as well. And uh, a few other things to talk about, a little story about um, poker chips. You mentioned poker chips, and I think uh, we may save this one for next week, but uh, a pretty interesting story about uh uh, and I want to get Joe's expertise about dealing with poker chips and that sort of thing. And then there's one other thing about poker habits—some some good habits that people should get into—and uh, I think would be kind of interesting.
2: I may know more of the bad habits. Yeah. You may. <laughs> well, we'll have a show on that, I'm
1: sure as well. Anyway, let's take this break of the show. We'll have more when we come back. You're listening to Poker Action Line. You can always pick us up on SoundCloud, several other uh, outlets, and we'll talk about more of that later in the show. But uh, stick around. We have, we'll have some fun tonight, and we'll be back after these messages. odds of winning are greatly improved if they're able to utilize their playing skills in order to increase their chances of winning. I hope that you will try the play for free demonstration and hope that you will join us when the play for real game becomes available later this year.
0: WFO Radio NHRA Nitro is all about the NHRA full throttle drag racing series. Join Joe at 7pm Eastern each Tuesday night for the first edition of NHRA Nitro featuring the NHRA's Alan Reinhardt. Race winners stop by to talk about bringing home the Wally. Every Tuesday night, following NHRA national events, NHRA Nitro is available on demand anytime on the WFO radio application and at WFOradio.com.
1: Welcome back to the show, Big Dave and Joe. Poker Action Line, uh, don't forget you can always uh, go to our website, PokerActionLine.com, and uh, click on the yellow box on the front page. It has all the uh, archives of all our shows if you want to go back and listen to an interview that you wanted to hear. Uh, some great interviews with a lot of really great players. Uh, a couple weeks ago we had uh, uh, Kristen Wilson from uh, Poker Refugees on, uh, did a great job. And uh, we certainly enjoyed talking to her and the interesting stuff going on with online poker.
2: We've had a lot of interesting guests here, and and some, I'm going to be honest with you, that I wasn't sure it was going to be interesting, and they had me riveted in my chair just listening to to you interview them. I'm
1: working on a few things. Take Uh, advantage uh, of that. I want to get Steve Ruddick back on the show, Steve, a writer for Online Poker Report and uh, U.S. Poker and a few other sites. Uh, a lot of information about what's happening yeah. in the online world. You know who we've
2: had many times, but it's been quite a few years now that we haven't had them on, is Linda Johnson. Yeah, we've got to get those back I'd, be, that, I'd love to hear from them. They were always fantastic, nice ladies and fantastic interviews with themselves. I'm, I, I enjoyed that immensely, so you folks can look that up in our archives.
1: Well, the interesting thing, and this is a big story that I want to get Steve on to talk about. He just wrote a story about it, and uh, uh, New Jersey actually... Uh, Doug, uh, Chris Christie, I said Doug Christie, uh, Governor Christie of uh, New Jersey announced that uh, they have uh, struck an agreement with uh, Nevada and Delaware to co pools. That is wonderful. Yeah. That's a great start. That would be wonderful. They have not implemented a date, and there are a few uh, roadblocks as far as uh, uh, gaming laws in, in the states. Uh, New Jersey has a law that says it has to originate from New Jersey. Uh, They will have to make an agreement. But uh, Brian Sandoval, the governor of Nevada, uh, is very happy of working it together. He had said at one point it would be uh, like putting together the Yankees and the Dodgers, which uh, may happen in another week or so. Uh, (laughs) And may not, not, although the Yankees uh, head now as we do the show. Uh, Delaware and Nevada have been sharing their player pools for a couple of years, but there's less well, than a million y- people y- in y- Delaware. Y- there's less than three million in You've Nevada. You got two states that are small. Yeah, you know, uh, and then you Nevada isn't the-
2: that small, but it's not as populated.
1: Well, and then you got nine more than nine million people in New Jersey, so that will really open things up. And as uh, it's a, it becomes a success. I, I would think that would open more things uh, around the country for different states to get it. So, uh, I want to talk with Steve about that and get the implications and whether that's going to happen sooner rather than later and uh should be interesting. Uh they'll do it for their online uh, casino gaming as well. So uh pretty interesting, uh, but uh New Jersey really uh hopes to get that up as soon as possible between between the three states and uh, try to test it immediately and then uh get on with it. The New Jersey internet gaming by the way took in almost 200 million dollars last year. So uh, it's huge and money. It
2: started slow. Remember, it, did. it, it started did. very slow,
1: and now they've grown it.
2: I mean, listen, you know, you've got New York, you've got Pennsylvania to draw from. People on the borders there that I'm sure have come in. Uh, you, know, I, I, you know, we need Pennsylvania, and New York in the East Coast because it doesn't seem like California seems to to be the uh, the West Coast equivalent of Florida, in my opinion, from my experience of dealing with Tallahassee here. Uh, It doesn't seem like they can get together. Yeah. Because I think if California comes online, I think that within three or four years you're going to see a a majority of the states also somehow approve it, and then eventually go on to what's happening now with New Jersey, with and Delaware and Nevada.
1: Uh, Interesting story. Also, I mentioned the World Series of Poker. That, of course, uh, when it starts, as I mentioned, it starts tomorrow. But that is uh, taking place uh, in Rozvadov, the Czech Republic the first time uh, over there uh we saw a lot of leon sukrenik at the uh super high roller and a story came out uh, that uh there was a lawsuit uh, between a high stakes poker player who played against leon sukrenik in head-to-head play and took him for like three million dollars uh this is uh, and
2: there's a lawsuit now
1: there's a lawsuit now because he didn't pay him basically and uh uh, the judge just ruled that the the $2 million gambling debt is unenforceable, but uh, Kirk is an Australian. Uh, Matt Kirk is the gentleman's name. He uh, could be entitled to damages if he can prove that Sukarnik never intended to repay the money. He did pay him $1 million because Sukarnik played in that super high roller out there at the Aria, right. won $1.8 million, turned around and gave a million to this guy, and then said, you know, that's it. I'm not giving you the rest. Uh, so that's this a, That's a... Pretty
2: uh, th- well, <laughs> I, I don't scumbaggery know I, scumb- scumbaggery move to be doing, yeah.
1: <laughs> but uh, the funny thing is, this all comes out now here, right, the, right, the day or two before the uh, World Series of Poker Europe, which uh, Leon Sukarnik is the uh, owner of. He owns the casino over there. Yeah. So well, this buy, whole thing, buyer uh, beware is now, yeah,
2: right? absolutely. Because if he if he didn't want to pay a personal gambling debt, you know, what, what's to stop him from from cashing people out who do win in his casino? It's just I, you know, again, I'd love to have a little bit more information as to whether he thought he was cheated or not, and decided not to pay the man on that.
1: Well, but I don't think that would any... have to bear that out. Well, it's amazing that you could have head-to-head games for that kind of money out there. I, you know, well, I mean, we've seen rounders oh, we've, obviously, we, but, we,
2: but we've seen we've seen uh, online before. You know, before I went away, uh, you know, uh, what is it, Tom Dwan and all these guys? They were playing some hands. I went back and looked at some of the histories of some of these biggest hands online. You know where three quarters of a million changed hands on just one one hand. I mean, you know they were playing some crazy amounts of money on on Poker Stars and Full Tilt, and um, I would imagine even Absolute Poker yeah. you know, back in the day. Yeah. So funny
1: you mention that. I got another story about that. <laughs> uh, but. Uh, uh, it's kind of uh, bizarre that a guy like this with a great reputation for a nice new casino over there uh, gets the WSOP circuit, and he's out there playing uh, for millions of dollars in a heads-up game and reneging on the payment of it, you know, why you would put your reputation on the line like and that. And
2: once again, I mentioned if he thought he had been cheated, if he thought he had been cheated, he wouldn't have given the guy $1 million, Right, exactly. You know, so why why pay the man a third of what you owe him? and and not the other the other 2 million without without a reasonable explanation to it so
1: well let's turn things back locally here a little bit uh, the isle open is underway uh, the main event still co- to come uh tomorrow actually on friday friday saturday and sunday will be event 15 which is their 1100 dollars tournament with a $150,000 guarantee and then the following weekend is the main event the championship event with a half a million guarantee, $1,500 buy-in. That's the 26th through the 30th. Uh, I've been watching some of the results, and uh, I saw that Abby Daniels uh, was involved in a chop in one of the early events. And a lot of the big-name local players are uh, involved over there at the Isle Casino. So that is going on now. Uh, the Rock and Roll Poker Open is in uh, November. Uh, later in the month, uh, they also announced at the Hard Rock to have a tournament called the Fun in the Sun, which will be right after the weekend after Christmas. And uh, a lot of stuff coming up, but uh, um, you know, there's there's always stuff here in South Florida. But basically, it's a good place for me to go and talk with some of the players that come to town. And I got a lot of interviews. You've gotten a lot of
2: great interviews over the years there.
1: Uh, I played a few of them over the last couple of weeks, but I did have one with Tony Burns that I uh, did a couple of weeks ago. Kind of a wrap up on uh, the whole tournament, the SHR Poker Open that just finished over there. I want to hear from Tony and uh, a few of the things he had to say as uh, they took over uh, the circuit event. This was actually at the circuit event that uh, we did this interview at the conclusion of it and kind of put a little wrap on what was happening over there. In the end of another great tournament, the first time the Seminole uh, Hard Rock hosts the WSOP
3: circuit after many years at the Palm Beach Kennel Club. Uh, how do you think it went? Uh, I think the, the whole series was an absolute success. Uh, you know, we had over... Uh, 900 players for the for the main, and uh, all the events uh, clicked off uh, you know really well. You know we knew that there was going to be a slight impact from the hurricane, uh, and it showed a little bit. Uh, but you know when you had uh, we guaranteed uh, you know half a million on the opener, uh, strong turnout on the opener. Uh, you know with the 1100 uh, you know we had 100. Uh, I believe it was 81 entries for the 1100 event, Uh, the high roller, you know, over 130 there. Uh, The seniors event, great turnout, 220 was like one of our biggest seniors event. So, you know, a lot of new faces uh, that, you know, I had never seen on property in the two years I've been here. So, you know, it, uh, overall, just a terrific success.
1: Uh, always some concern with a storm heading to South Florida, coming up from Cuba. And obviously now that it's passed, uh, we're greatly concerned with the uh, the people that lost their property and even lost their lives and, and some injuries and that sort of thing. And uh, I want to get to the the charity turn in just a, in a moment. But, uh, you know, you always think about how bad things could be. And you got a bunch of construction equipment out there with a the new building. Uh, had to be some c- concern
3: with that thing bearing down on you. Yeah, any time that there's something of this magnitude coming, I mean, it was the largest storm recorded in the Atlantic. You know, they've done a very good job here on, you know, preparing the property. And, and uh, you know, uh, from everything I heard, there was minor things that happened here. And you know, obviously with the wobble to the west, uh, you know, one of our other properties in Mochley was greatly affected uh and, uh, you know, my thoughts are with everybody there and, and their cleanup efforts. Um, uh, but, you know, we got back, uh, uh, you know, business as normal pretty quick. Um, you know, and we were, we were very fortunate. And you guys jumped right on putting together a charity tournament for the victims
1: of uh, Hurricane Irma in conjunction with Feeding South Florida, and uh, who's doing a lot with Channel 7. So, uh, again, your your uh, focus in the community is really uh, increasing. And, and that's not the reason to do this, obviously. But
3: uh, uh, it was a real success tonight, this charity event, and raising money for uh, people who were affected. No, it was, you know, this, this was one of the things that I came together really quick, you know, I mean. We're talking less than three weeks ago, Hurricane Irma came through, and all the, the relationships are together with Poker Stars, uh, like I said, in conjunction, benefiting, uh, feeding South Florida, Channel 7 News, and their involvement. So all those pieces come together, and being able to put this on tonight, uh, you know, with 124 entries uh was another terrific success and uh raising money for such a great cause. And uh
1: dealing let's go back to the circuit just for a minute. First time with a circuit, uh you've had a relationship with the WSOP obviously, uh you know, we've had a booth out there in Vegas and you we talked about this on a previous interview but uh, how is it different from the other things? I think just looking at some of the champions uh, a trucking uh, the company owner wins the first event. Uh, an accountant from uh, the Lake Worth or something like that wins the second, and then a couple of pros won the next one. So you get a good mix of people and really interesting and different from some of the things you've done in the past.
3: Yeah, like I was saying, there was a lot of new faces that I had never seen. You know, in my two years of being here, uh, the WSOP is a is a is a strong brand that has a you know has a following, and you know you get some of those people from you know like I say the the heartland the the fly, flyover states, you know, uh, that, that follow the circuit in that 50 years that they've uh, of that strong brand that they've created. Uh, you know, people came down; they saw our booth in Vegas this summer. Um, you know, I met a lady there, and she goes, "I remember meeting me and you know, and talking to her." And, and uh, you know, and then the, the mixed guys, uh, the mixed uh, to mix them along with the pros that we normally get on our other four series. You know, between our WPT events, our own and um, it, was, uh, it was a great collaboration. Uh, you mentioned Immokalee and some of your other properties are really starting to come
1: on the scene now. Uh, Coconut Creek will host the circuit event in February. That's a big thing for them.
3: Uh, how much will you be involved in some of that stuff? Um, you know, my primary is here uh, on property with, uh, you know, Seminole Hard Rock Hollywood. Um, you know, uh, when it comes to Immokalee and Coconut Creek, I know the other directors and, and the tournament guys that are involved there. So, I mean, we coordinate with it, with each other with advice uh, and, you know, certain things like that. My involvement won't be too big. Uh, you know, it seems like every other month, like you said, you know, we have something going on here. So my hands are, are always, uh, my plate's always full, and, uh, you know, my concentration lies here at Hollywood.
1: I don't know how much you can divulge, but certainly Tampa, with their brand new room, is on the map now. Uh, I'm look- looking
3: forward to seeing them host a major tour stop. Yeah, I think it's just, uh, like you said, uh, it's just a matter of time uh, you know, before you, you see um, you know, all the properties come on board with uh, something bigger and, and uh, you never know. I, like I said, I don't know all the plans, the master plan behind it, but like I said, you see with the Mockley with the deep stacks, uh, you see, um, you know, Coconut Creek now with the WSOP stop. You know, it only seems like it would be natural for Tampa to come on with something as well. So... I'm um, sure once they get everything done, you know, that'll be with their operations to uh, make those decisions with those partners and whatnot. But, you know, we're going to keep trucking along down here. You know, the rock and roll is coming up in November in six weeks. Uh, we'll be announcing uh, uh, the WPT will be here in, uh, you know, in, in, uh, in January, the 11th through the 24th. And, uh, you know, you'll see some more things come along. So it's, uh, we, we know our date's out. We know we have tentative here, and it's, uh, it's going to be another exciting year.
1: And I know how much how quickly the year flies by for me. For you, it must be incredibly
3: uh, unbelievable. Yeah, I mean to think that I've been here over two years now, and what we've uh, what you know, like I said, I keep I keep telling everybody, they had so much um established here when i got here they ran all the trial and errors they've been through the big guarantee misses they've tried out what time of year works best all the different structures fine-tuning everything so when i came in here you know i i really got handed the keys to a ferrari and i've watched it waxed it try not to wreck it and um really enjoyed the opportunity and really blessed and humbled to have have this spot here and like I said, um, in two years, you know we're going to be standing on something even bigger and, and better. And um, I can't wait to see what it what it uh, what it holds.
1: And congratulations! Another tremendous job. Uh, World Series of Poker circuit now on your resume, and
3: uh, I'm sure you're thrilled about that. I am. I am. It's it's awesome to, like I said, to work with Matt Savage, WPT, and uh, you know to also work with Jack a little bit and talk to him, and you know new relationships. You can never know uh, enough people in this industry, and especially some of the pioneers. Uh, that you know you can talk to and uh, and just I can continue to grow. Like I said, I'm still 35. I feel like I'm you know very very blessed in this opportunity at a young age to continue to grow and and uh, just the biggest thing is just continue to listen to the players and I know they appreciate it. Oh, you deserve it, man. Thank you. Thanks, Dave.
1: Tony Burns, the tournament director over at the Seminole Hard Rock, at conclusion of uh, this year's WSOP circuit event. Another big success for them there. Let's take a break on the show. When we return, we'll get into this little discussion about good habits that you should develop in the uh, game of poker, and uh, we'll finish up with uh, some information on what's going on around the world of poker as far as tournaments go. We'll do all that when we return here on Poker Action Line.
0: This is
1: Poker Action Line.
0: It may be hard to believe, but people just like you are already saving money. Feedthepig.org makes it easy. Their simple savings plan teaches you how to start saving without going overboard. So you don't need to mooch off your friends. You gonna finish that grape? You mean the one in my mouth? You don't need to stop buying the necessities. What you're smelling is a natural musk. Ew. You don't need to be a medical test subject. How do you feel? Mostly okay. I... Sometimes, though. You don't need to get a second job as a stuntman. We need a new stuntman! Let's break for lunch. You just need an internet connection. Don't get left behind. Start your personal savings plan with the tips and tools on feedthepig.org. That way, you don't need to sell your soul to the devil. Fifteen bucks is the best I can do. All right, deal. Brought to you by the American Institute of CPAs and the Ad Council.
1: Back on the show, Big Dave Lemon, Joe Rodriguez here from South Florida. And uh, I want to go over this uh, article by Ashley Adams. We uh, we had fun with one of his, uh, I guess it was last week we did it, about the... Uh, Uh, Is it cheating or is it perfectly okay? That was fine. Cheating, unethical, or okay. (laughs) Right. Well, this current one is Poker Habits, and he adds two columns, good ones to adopt and uh, bad ones to avoid. We'll do the good ones to adopt and give you a little bit of instruction from Joe on uh, things he's dealt with in poker rooms and and the things that he's seen. Uh, The first one, uh, the first item is... And this is all kind of basic uh, common sense advice, but uh we'll maybe expand on it a little bit. The first one is play when well rested. And it's funny because I've been watching the other night I watched some of the World Series of Poker coverage as we move into the fall here from the summer's main event, and there's a character called Mick, Mickey Craft that uh was getting a lot of uh, publicity, uh, kind of a fun guy, uh, a drinker, but a pretty good player and uh interesting player. And uh, they talked about how the night before he'd only had 45 minutes sleep. Came back and played day. Uh, I guess it was day four of the main event. Uh, not too cool, but uh, or smart, but uh, it was kind of interesting. Anyway, uh, talk about that just a little bit. Uh, you ever go out there where you where you start your event, and you you know that you really shouldn't be playing because you're not well rested.
2: Yeah, uh, yeah, and I've seen a lot of people who do that. I've seen people who have come into my room. When I was running Miami Highlight, when I was running Miami Highlight, they'd get there at 10 o'clock when we opened the doors. I would, you know, if I opened that day, I'd be there. That's why I knew they were there at 10 o'clock when the <laughs> doors opened, because I was usually more at night. Leave probably somewhere around 6, 7, 8 o'clock at night, depending on what was going on that day. Come back the next afternoon at 5, 6 o'clock, see that person playing there, and I'd ask, have they, have they gone home? Because during the weekend, we were able to be open 24 hours. Right. And uh, during the week, I know he would have had to go home because we would have closed the room down at four. But, yeah, they told me he had been playing there. He had been, you know, losing. You, I mean, listen, I, I still remember from a couple of years ago when Bernard Lee kind of mentioned something about being well-rested for the WSOP. And most articles that tell you how to prepare for that tell you to be well-rested. I know that I have played terrible poker when I've when I've extended my my time and, you know, and maybe had a few cocktails or a couple of beers. Down a few beers. I know I used to down more than just a few beers playing, um, but when you're playing not, in not a smart. tournament, it's not a smart thing to do. Unfortunately, it is probably one of that that rule is not adhered to by a, a large majority of poker
1: players. I would imagine it's it's normal to get tired during a session. That might be the time to get up and leave, but certainly don't start when you're not well-rested. Number two, play when well-funded. And this is something in the poker world that we see people, uh, you know, they can't afford it. Playing with scared money, we've talked about that a million times.
2: Yeah, and then you have the Railbird people or the other people who, you know, eventually get tired of lending these people money, you know, and um, that's just one of the things that I used to get involved with, you know. You didn't want to see anybody. They, I mean, these people would ask dealers for money. They'd ask me for money. And it's just, yeah, you should be well-funded. But once again, I would imagine that better than 50% are are not, forget about well-funded. They're not funded enough to play the some of the games that they're playing
0: in.
1: Okay. Number three, arrange and check your cards methodically. Uh, he says, pick a method and stick with it. Do it the same way every time till it becomes routine. Some people like to look at their cards right before they need to make a bet. Some people do it right immediately and then turn around and kind of see how other people are reacting to well, their cards.
2: Going, going back going back to another one when we had Jerry Yang on, and we asked him how he did this, and he goes that. I asked him, my question was similar to, do you have any tips as to how you should you should handle yourself? And I'm going to use Jerry Yang's answer for this, where he said, I counted to ten before I made any action, whether I was going to call, raise, or fold. Mm-hmm. So no one could get a read as to how good his cards were. You know, if you're constantly picking up your cards and then getting your chips and throwing them in there or taking a raise, people right away are picking up, oh, he's got a great hand. He's not trying to bluff with that hand. It's it's a tell. It's a, You know, it becomes a, a, a human tell. So, yeah, this is great. I just don't see a lot of people. They try to follow this, Dave. But human Very nature tough. usually comes in and you have to be so disciplined to consistently do the exact same thing. I'm sure some people try to offset it knowing that someone else there may be watching them and try to do a like a reverse uh reverse method on them. But that's that's a great advice. Great advice. I try to do that, but there does come times when you're either so bored, you know, or you know, you're just running car dead Whatever it is, all of a sudden you see a hand and you get excited. You've just given it away to the to the to the good players that can follow that that know it.
1: Important to mix up your game in poker, but not your your methods. Yeah, exactly. You give away information.
2: Exactly. You want to change. You want to change how you you know uh, the hands that you're raising with, the ones that you're calling with. Exactly. But you want to follow the exact same pattern of of however you deal, the same way you pick up your chips. Same way you throw them into the pot. Believe it or not, these are all tells that top-notch poker players will pick up on. And eventually when they get enough chances to see what hands and and put to memory what kind of moves you made on the table, uh, whether it was your cards, your chips, the way your voice sounded, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, they will take advantage of that big time.
1: Along the same uh, route, memorize your cards once you look at them. Uh, He said if you can't memorize two cards, you shouldn't be playing poker. Uh, there 's no reason to recheck your whole cards. S- look at them once, say them to yourself, and remember them. He said otherwise you 're giving away information uh, needlessly
2: same 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 material you know like they they i can 't remember because i don 't you know most of the people i play with usually put a chip on them, you know who the inexperienced players are. They're the ones that are constantly looking at the at the cards. I and mean, there, there used to be another big tell, I don't know if people have corrected that, that when, when, when somebody, when you make a bet and your opponent who has cards looks down at their chips, most of the times you're going to be in big trouble because they're trying to figure out <laughs> how much they're going to raise with, the, with, with whatever cards are up on the board.
1: Number five, nest and cover your cards. This is uh, similar to what you said before. Uh, do you use a card protector or do you just put a chip if I, on top? If I bring my card protector with me, if
2: I remember to bring it when I'm playing, yeah, I'll put my card protector. If not, I, you know, as soon as the cards are dealt to me, my my method is to grab a chip and put it on top, and then when it's my turn to act, I slide the chip off, look at it, and I've always tried to, if not count it out in my head, you know, kind of acting the same, as I just mentioned a few seconds ago about what Jerry Yang said. I've tried to incorporate that into my game.
1: And that is number six. He says, pause at least for a moment before you act, even if it's an obvious fold. Uh, This is exactly what you just said. Yeah, you don't want to give away He he doesn't say anything about counting to ten, but he says you should at least... Give yourself two or three seconds to act. Uh if you have to take longer for a tough call then then that's okay. But uh, you know, make it look like you're thinking about your cards even if you have a quick
2: flip. I'm gonna tell you one of the probably this has gotta be in the top two for 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 very good players.
1: What they really hate.
2: I we all know that in poker you're supposed to act in turn. But you know, let's say we're on the flop, we're seeing the flop and and you're 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 a very good player and you see you see a guy. You got two players to act after you, okay? And you're making a bet for whatever. Whether it's a, a bluff bet or a come bet, whether you know you you actually have a hand and you think you're going to get paid, or you're trying to get somebody off their hand. Well, you know if if the guy who's whose last to act is already grabbing his cards to throw them away, the guy before him has just knows now that he doesn't have to beat two players. Right. He's only got to beat you. So they really, really hate that, and so do I. You know, and some of these players just don't act in turn. That's, you know, usually a big, big problem with that. But, yeah, that's that's something that, you know, you want to do.
1: Number seven, decide on your action before you act. Then act decisively. Uh, you know, we talked about pausing and that sort of thing. But once you've made your decision, act purposefully.
2: Yeah, but in certain games and in certain tournaments, you've seen players that they'll look at their opponent, Dave, and, then go in, and then they're grabbing chips, and then they're putting some down, then they're grabbing another chip from another stack. I don't know if they've honestly thought that out and said, I'm going to come out with X amount of, you know, the, my, my betting amount is going to be X amount, and they're just looking for it. I think that sometimes you'd reach into your stack to try to get a reaction on your opponent.
1: And number 8, observe the behavior of other players. We talked about giving away information, but you got to get that information, you got to look for it, uh especially uh when players are looking at their cards and maybe you can pick up something there, but uh, uh you should be in the habit of observing the other players and that, getting information.
2: That's that is incredible. Uh, to me that's one of the be- that's that's one of the advices that I took many years ago and I wish I could give credit to the poker player that I read that from, and, you know, I was in my early 20s. It's not like these 20-year-olds. We didn't want to you know, uh, thousands of games on the computer. And when I read that article by whoever wrote it and mentioned almost the same thing, pay attention, is when my game started to elevate a little bit, not only for so much as to pick up on, on what they're doing, but also the more you pay attention, one of the exercises that I loved and it helped me a great deal was starting to put, when I wasn't in the hand, and let's say you and Gio are playing in a hand, and I saw what you bet on the flop, what you did on the turn, and then on the river you did something else, and then your opponent, I'm using Gio's name here, did something else. And it looks like you're going to call. One of the things that I do is I'm trying to put you on a hand, and I'm trying to put him on a hand, obviously. you know right. That's what you want to do. But you want to see how good your reads have become. So, And the only time you can do that is obviously... You'd love to do this when you're out of the hands and no one's paying attention to you because you're going to see an opponent that you've been betting against um, or calling against. So here, to me, that helped me elevate my game, and I still do it to this day, putting people on on hands based on the flop, how they've act, you know, how what kind of bets they've made, and that can only improve your game. So that that to me is should have been at the top of the list
1: after you observe them you should categorize your opponents. Uh, maybe if you have a little word like fish or or uh loose well, aggressive or, or something like that.
2: Online you could play you could put you notes can make your notes. You can make right. your notes and I've done that many a times. In mental, you know, you kinda you know I know, remember getting back to Jerry Yang saying that he wrote things in a book, he'd step away from the table to remember it since the main event was such a long ass tournament, but you know, you're for the night I'm I'm putting mental things on you and I've been luckily I've been blessed for the most part if I play you again in 6 months and I remember who you were because I had to make a mental note on you I usually will remember that player and for the most part I've been able to remember what you did in the cash game against me and what you did against other players and I've already categorized you as a certain type of player
1: Number 10, organize your chips. Uh, first of all, it's good etiquette so that people can, when they make their bets, you obviously it's kind of like a rule to put the bigger chips on denominations top. on top or in front. You can't hide them behind, although some people will try a, to angle you A shoot lot of to people do that. do
2: that. A lot of people do that.
1: Uh, but also easy for you to count so you know what when the bet is there, if you got the player covered, that sort of thing. Uh, how do you stack your chips? In 10s, 5s, 20s? The fives,
2: 20s, 20s? 20, stacks of 20s, I mean it's easier to move maneuver with
0: okay.
1: and
2: you know most poker players like dealers you know if you've been doing this long enough you've almost become a professional chip handler right, exactly. just because of the amount of time that you've done it so you know you're used to working with a stack of 20 so if you grab a whole stack you you feel it in your hand you know that it's 20 chips and you cut you know you cut out if you're going to bet 10 chips of whatever denomination or 3 chips of this and grab some chips from another stack different denomination so Yeah, you know, that's nice. But some people like, I'm sure you've seen it, some people like to make mountains that come up like this. They're like 40 chips high. You know, everybody has their own little superstition or superstition, as I like to say.
1: (laughs) Uh, Number 11, take a break regularly. You want to stay focused and thoughtful. And so he says make it a point of getting up from the table for at least a minute every half hour. Yeah, just to think? stretch your legs. Yeah.
2: And at our age now, Dave, for for older poker players, it's it's more of a requirement than than a suggestion. You know, you you definitely want to uh, get up. I mean, listen. He's giving generalization rules here. Right. You're you're in a you're, if you're in a very good rock'em sock'em poker game, and you think you're you're a superior player to most of the players on the table, you you may not take a hand off, right. but. It's never wrong to take us i I love to do that more so, and I had to learn how to do that more so when I've taken a bad beat, you know, kind of clear your head out a little bit and take some of the emotion some of that edge off because Uh, I, myself, and I've seen hundreds, if not thousands, of poker players in my lifetime uh, barbecue some chips right after they've had a bad beat put on them.
1: Absolutely. Uh, Five more to go. We'll get back to them. We'll take our final break in the program. And when we return, we'll finish up and we'll give you some information about some big tournaments around the country uh, when we return here on Poker Action
0: Line. This is Poker Action Line.
1: odds of winning are greatly improved if they're able to utilize their playing skills in order to increase their chances of winning. I hope that you will try the play for free demonstration and hope that you will join us when the play for real game becomes available later this year. Final segment of the show, Big Dave and Joe finishing up here, another edition of Poker Action Line. Uh, check us out on Holdem Radio. A good place to pick up the show. HoldemRadio.com uh, plays the show uh, every week, uh, at least a couple of times. And uh, we hope you'll uh, join them. A lot of great shows in there, but uh, we want you to to join us on there if you possibly can. Also, Stitcher Radio, Stitcher.com, is a good place to get your podcast. SoundCloud has uh, become one of the best places to get the show. And also, you can pick us up on the Poker Fuse podcast page. And a few other places that list the show on a regular basis. Uh, back to, uh, good habits to, uh, pick up and, uh, and put into your regular repertoire when you go to play poker. Uh, number 12 is interesting, uh, smile. Uh, he said first of all it's going to make the game a little more fun you're going to have a better time when you get along with people uh even if you're shy or introverted uh just give a smile especially uh to the player to the left of you he says because uh, sometimes it'll make them play a little bit more soft against you yeah well i've always agreed with that
2: with that terminology i've always tried to strike up a conversation you know if if you make friends on the table instead of enemies you'd be surprised how many times either people will check down to you when you've got a weaker hand or you know get out of your way when you make a bet, even when you want them to get out of your way instead of calling. And I just like I said, I think it makes it for a much nicer experience. And uh, you know, this is something Dave, that you know, think about it. At our age, should we have to tell people that they have to, that they should be smiling in a social, you know, social event of being out out in a casino? You know, that wasn't, you know, it shouldn't be the case. But because of all the other things that go on nowadays. You know, you you almost say, "Oh, I have to tell these guys about this." You know, so but yeah, I think it, I think that's great advice.
1: Breathe deeply is number thirteen, uh, calming effect. Uh, he said, especially if you have a tough decision to make, it's going to make you a little more comfortable and a little more thoughtful.
2: Yeah, I you know, it's it's not something I should say that I haven't thought about. I'm sure I've done it involuntarily. You know, just because a big decision usually. You know you're thinking and 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 since it's uh, depending on the amount of cash or the s- state of the tournament that you're in I gather you will take a deep breath just to calm your nerves down more so than so you can get a clear head on how, what you're you know what you're what you're going to do
1: also along the physical front, sit balanced and comfortably 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 uh in the <laughs> short run it can be uh injurious some of the way some of the people slouch and uh, and hunch their back. Uh, but obviously uh, if you get in the habit of sitting squarely, he says, with shoulders relaxed and head upright, uh, it's going to be much better for you in the long run. And I'll
2: give you an even better idea for doing that that same thing, okay, because I started noticing it in players, and, you know, novices don't notice it, but just decent players will notice this. You know, you kind of lay down at the the table, and you're kind of slouching. You're sitting back from the table, and all of a sudden a flop comes, and somebody makes a bet. And all of a sudden, you stand at it. You, you sit at attention and pull your chair up. You know, and and usually, away. usually you're, you have a very good hand when you do that.
1: Yeah.
3: So
2: you know, you, not only from from the you know the posture point of it and the comfort level, but for not giving away any any tells on a good hand when you sit, you know, like you don't care. And then all of a sudden, you're you're, you're sitting at attention.
1: Uh, Number 15, practice good game selection, and probably as a poker room manager or as uh, the brushes that work for you, uh, this could be a little bit of a pain in the ass, but uh, uh, you should always look around for the best table, the best seat at the table, and, uh, you know, give you a chance to make more money.
2: That advice works in, in local poker rooms because, you know, if you and I just went to Vegas now, we wouldn't know unless we observed a table for an hour and change, and most poker players don't do that. Uh, my experience as a manager when i've seen people you know looking for a good game is when they know there's a big fish on the table you know a high roller who just loves to you know jack it up there and you know and throw chips in the pot and just get it stirred up uh people come in they see that table is full and they immediately ask to be transferred to that table our first available seat uh
1: his last uh, good habit to get into take session notes and player notes uh Get into the habit of uh, taking them down. You don't have to bring out a pad and write them down in front of everybody. But uh, a good thing to do is maybe on your phone you have a thing called voice memo. Learn how to use that and uh, make yourself a few notes and uh, and then look at them and listen to them afterwards.
2: Like I mentioned earlier, I know online you can do that without it. It doesn't matter. You're just making your notes on the players. And, and the good thing is whenever that icon comes back up on your screen at a later date, it has a little marking on it. So all you have to do is click the box to see what you've written. Yeah, I, I think top poker players do this all the time. The ones who have the mental capacity to just keep it in, keep it stored in their brains, fine. And if not, some of them will do it right after the session, right. so they so they don't even give away the details that they are keeping track on somebody at the table.
1: Interesting, good habits to follow. Uh, we're winding down on the program. We could tell you that the U.S. WSOP Europe gets underway uh, tomorrow. Uh, we'll be looking at some of those results next week. Uh, the WPT. Heads to Jacksonville uh, this weekend. The main event uh, begins on the 21st, which is, uh, that would be Saturday. Saturday and Sunday will be the opening sessions. $5,000 buy-in with a million dollar guarantee. Our friends up at Best Bet Jacksonville hosting that on the WPT Tour. And the WSOP uh, circuit event uh, playing right now in uh, Hammond, Indiana, which is a suburb of Chicago. So we'll give you some of the results on that. Uh, The WSOP Europe As we mentioned, uh, starting uh, tomorrow. So uh, it starts off with $1,100 Monster Stack event. uh, Three starting flights, uh, the 19th, 20th, and 21st. So all this stuff is uh, things you can watch maybe on uh, uh, Poker Go, but uh, certainly we'll be following some of that. The World Series of Poker main event uh, continues uh, on ESPN and ESPN2. So uh, plenty of stuff to watch and to stay up with and learn, learn to improve your game.
2: Exactly, and, and and watching some of the great players uh, is a great way to you know just see how they react in certain situations.
1: Okay, the Isle Casino moves along with its Isle Isle uh, Open or Isle Classic, I should say, and uh, we'll watch some of that as well. So we'll have all this stuff next week in the program. Appreciate you being with us, and we'll see you next week on another edition of Poker Action Line.